Please read this with me. For now the faith is to drag substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By the elder's opinion, a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the words named by the word of God. So things, things are seen were not made of things that are visible. This morning, before I start, I would like to know if there are any school teachers that are in the audience. I know we have two of them right here in our school, but are there any school teachers? If you would please come down front. I would like to have, as this year starts, and some of you it hasn't started quite yet, but I would like to have a prayer with you um, as the church family, and um, we'd like to dedicate you. I know we're missing one today because I think he's got... Uh, a little bit of a swelling in one eye. Allergy season. All right, church family, let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, young people are so able to learn. Sometimes, dear Father, they're a challenge, but they're so open to everything that we adults have to say. I pray that you'll be with these teachers this year. I know we have one missing this morning because of uh, some things going on in his life, but dear Father, I pray that you'll bless them. Bless them in the classroom, and dear Father, I know that they put in many hours outside the classroom, and I pray that you'll be with them as they plan and as they make sure that the children in their classrooms are taught. And dear Father, also their influence that is uh, right there in front of the kids I pray that you will be with them as they do the influence upon the children too, that your spirit would be upon them. Thank you for their talents, and I pray to your Father that as this school year goes along, that you'll shine through them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We thank you for what you do. Amen. We do. <laughs> Our kids are very important, and uh, as some of you noticed, um, our kids are also full of a lot of energy. Yes. But you know what? Parents, don't be embarrassed. I was one of those children, and I had a lady that I called grandma. She wasn't a grandma. In fact, I look back now, and I think she was in her 40s. And I was like, okay, <laughs> she was very young. But um, she sat by me, and she would pull out pictures of her family. She would pull out little things because my mom was involved with my sister, and, of course, being the pastor's wife, too, it was she was always doing something with the church family. But I remember that today. I remember the people that took time for me and cared for me. So if you see a young one that's uh, a little bit going, you know, you're like, oh, that child should do this or that, if you would like to sit next to the mom and dad and help them out, because you know what? It's not easy being a parent today. Um, there's a lot of responsibilities that are going on, and we want the parents in this church to know we love you so much. And if you are embarrassed about your children, please don't, because God loves them, and that's what he uses as an example for us to trust God. Amen. So parents, don't worry. Um, I'm a loud mouth. I can preach louder than most children. In saying that, um, 
Today we are going to postpone the second reading. I had a call or two that were pretty late in the week, and we need to take care of a few things before we get that final sheet to you. And in saying that, the final sheet will probably be a, um, there's a few things that we just haven't filled yet, and it looks like there'll be a few of them left over. We'll have to hand them to the church board. So it will be incomplete, but it will be the best that we could do right now. And if you feel like you need to volunteer for a position and God is speaking to you, please give one of us on the board a call because I think it's something that we need to take into consideration during this time. In saying all that, I think that 15 minutes is fine to preach a sermon. (laughs) It's actually doable today. The sermon today, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2, you say, what in the world could ever be of a benefit from the Old Testament? 2,600 years ago, maybe 2,700 years ago, a prophecy that is the keys to understanding what Revelation means, which in itself is an old book too. But the mysteries that are going to be unlocked in this short little passage are something that had changed so many people in the past. The consequences of this are um, quite interesting. The consequences of this story and this prophecy actually are very, very important to us. Because if you don't understand what historically is being talked about here, then some of the Bible doesn't make sense. And I would also say that the Bible itself is telling us here that it can be trusted. Daniel chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, I remember as a kid calling him Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. How many of you have a problem sleeping now and then? Now and then. Some of you are like, no, don't ever have that problem. Blessed be thou. <laughs> then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to tell the king his dream. So he came and stood before, they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I've had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Put yourself in their shoes. Okay? Your job is to interpret dreams. And the king comes to you and says, I would like you to do something for me. I would like you to tell me what I dreamed last night. How many of you have ever forgotten your dream right after you woke up? Yeah, I have too. And it is never, ever, ever thought of again because it is gone. But how many of you would be like, okay, I'm going to gather all my friends this morning and I'm going to ask them, what did I dream? Your friends would leave you because they think you're nuts. So then in chapter, uh, verse 4, then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Didn't they just hear what the king said? <laughs> they heard exactly what he said. In, in the original language, it's a rhetorical. It, they heard exactly what he said, but they were like, O king, our job title is not what you just asked. Please tell us the dream. And verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream to me and its interpretation, you will be cut in pieces and your houses will be made ash heaps. No pressure, by the way. 
However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me, from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. He thought that he could bribe them because they were just kind of, you know, playing around. And they answered again and said to him, let the king tell the servants the dream and we'll give the interpretation. <laughs> Parents, do you ever find yourself repeating yourself just over and over again trying to teach your children? They were trying to teach the king something, and the king was like, no, I mean, I really need to tell, you need to tell me what this dream was. And the king answered and said, I know for a certain that you will gain time because you see uh, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me, telling me that the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can give me its interpretation." The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king this matter. Therefore, no king, no lord, nor ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, and Chaldean. Now they're backed into a corner. They're saying, King, no, this is not even fair of you. What in the world are you doing? It is a difficult king thing that the king asks, and there is no other who can tell this to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not in flesh. You see, I think this story was a setup by God. It was a setup by God to a king that had no idea who he was. And after he said, there is no way possible, the magicians and everywhere, the smartest people in the nation said, this is not possible. The only one that could give it to you is the gods. It was a setup. Verse 12, for the reason the king was angry and very furious, gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And it could end there, but it does not. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. They sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. No stress. Came knocking on the door of Daniel. I don't know if Daniel really knew about this or not, but I'm sure he did by then because I don't, they didn't have CNN back then or they didn't have Fox News. But it didn't matter. The news went like crazy. They're killing all the people that are smart in the nation because they can't tell the king his dream. I mean, it traveled fast. If you want to do anything, uh, just start a gossip ring, and it goes faster than the internet, by the way. Then the counsel of the wisdom, uh, then with counsel and wise, the wisdom of Daniel, he answered Arioch, the captain of the guards, whom had gone to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time. Do you understand the, what just happened? All the other ones questioned the king, and he about beheaded them right then. But Daniel goes in, and he's allowed an audience. He's trusted. He's trusted that he might tell the king the interpretation. And Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek the mercies from God and the heaven concerning his secret, so Daniel and his companions not, might not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the Lord, the God of heaven. I won't read it word for word, but can you imagine what it was like to have a dream and then go and tell the king? Can you imagine what it was like for a king that did not believe in your God, that actually took captive your people and destroyed the temple and everything else, what it was like for God to all of a sudden show up in his dream 
And then they are in the process of killing everyone. In the process. And guess what? Daniel asked for some time. I don't know about you, but I have many dreams. I have vivid dreams. How many of you <clears throat> have ever been told that if you fall in your dream and you hit the ground, you're going to die? Apparently, my dreams have a false floor because there's a number of times I've fallen off of really high places in my dream and I bounced. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how many of you have had dreams where you're flying. In psychology, they have some things to say about people that fly or, or underwater or all that kind of stuff. Don't worry about that today. How many of you have ever dreamt of uh, being in outer space? Nobody. Okay, Pastor Nelson's weird. How many of you ever had dreams that are so vivid you woke up in a sweat? Yeah. That's the kind of dream that was so vivid that this king woke up in a sweat. And the people were like, oh, king, live forever. <laughs> we're your wise men. Please tell us the dream. We can give you the interpretation. He's like, fraud. You're a fraud. You can't do this. And he didn't tell all of them. It was only a percentage of them that went. They probably were trying to exclude Daniel, but we don't know that for a fact. It was kind of amazing that all of a sudden Daniel goes, my God can do it. My God can do it. Because are you able to make known the dream and its interpretation, Daniel? And Daniel answers, no. But the God I serve, the God I serve knows the secrets which the king demands. The wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers cannot declare to the king Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and vision in your head upon the bed when you were lying there. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you were in bed, and that you could not pass after this. And he also reveals the secrets. And I need to go over and read it from my Bible because I didn't scroll down far enough. And he who reveals the secrets has made known to you that will become. But as for me, the secret has not been revealed to me because I am more wise and have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sake, that who makes known the interpretation to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching and behold a great image, a great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. It's, the image's head was of fine gold, its chest of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away with no trace and the stone that was struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we have to tell you the interpretation before the king. 
You, O king, are the king of kings, but the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, powerful strength and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, he has given them into your hand and he has made you ruler all of them. You are the kings. You are the head of gold. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were a king of a place, or let's say you're the president of the United States, and all of a sudden this dream comes to you and says, the interpretation of the dream is like this. You as the leader of this country, you're the head of gold. How many of you would have a bigger head? I would. I mean, gold? <laughs> gold standard, yeah. But Daniel didn't stop there. Daniel didn't stop there, and I don't think the king was paying attention totally because he was still stuck on the fact that <laughs> I'm the head of gold. <laughs> this is wonderful news. But there will be another. This is something that we need to think about too. You know, if time goes on and some of us become older, there will be another. Usually children or nieces, nephews. There will be another. And if time goes on, there will be even another. So what do you do with that, like as you're a king and you think you're going to live forever and you're the head of gold and all of a sudden this guy in front of you who just told you the dream, you can't deny that the gods are not speaking through him, especially the God of the universe, and all of a sudden he says, there will be another. Oof. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I'd want to tell the king that. <laughs> there will be another. <laughs> Off with your head. No, please not. And if we look in history, we do find that there was another. Medo-Persia came in there. 539, it was, uh, it was something that came in and uh, he'd already passed away, Nebuchadnezzar had. And his kingdom was handed to others and others and eventually one of his relatives there kind of squandered the nation away, even left a gate open and the par Persian armies came in and that was history. The king's head of gold gave over to silver. And if you look at the money system, it's kind of interesting. Babylon was a gold money system, and Medo-Persia was a silver money system, which is kind of interesting. But it really doesn't have anything to do with what this dream was about. You see, the dream, we always have problems with this dream because we think it's just a history lesson. It's not. It's the history of God's message. It's the history of the people that are going to give God's message. So the people that are going to give God's message in Nebuchadnezzar's time, Daniel was there and many others were giving it, and including the king, he even worshipped the God that Daniel worshipped at some point. And then Medo-Persia came. And Medo-Persia came, and guess what? God named even one of the kings and said, you know what, you're going to do something for me. And we find God's people also during that time being protected by God. Then we see the Greco time, Grecian time, which was from about 331 to 168, I think it is. Yeah, 168. And that was started by Alexander the Great. We call him that now. But uh, he was a Greek. And what's amazing about that is during this time, they were the ones that ruled 
not just the world as people knew it, but they were the ones where the gospel was still happening. Um, and you look at the gospel and you're like, well, that gospel's the New Testament. No, no, the gospel is always the things being told about the true God. It was protected in each of these kingdoms. The message was protected to go down to the next generation that God is going to do something great. Another empire shows up after that. How many of you know that one? The Roman Empire. In fact, we call it the Greco-Roman Empire because the Roman Empire basically borrowed everything that they have. Rule of uh, the nation, everything. The thing that they did well is build roads. They built roads really well because they wanted to transport something called salt. But the Roman Empire, in some respects, they called the dragon too. But what's really important about this is during this time, the Messiah came. And this was the nation that was around where the Messiah was, was in control. And when the Messiah came, the message was still being given. And the message was still being given, and it was being proclaimed during this time, even if at one point it came to, if you proclaim that message, you will be fed to the gladiators, or you'll be fed to the lions, and you'll be fed to whatever. The message still was there. That's what Daniel 2 is trying to show over and over to this king, is that the message that God is in charge is really, really important. And everything that we do to pro proclaim the message of Jesus Christ is that God is in charge. And a lot of things around here, a lot of politicians and all kinds of stuff that's going on, they don't recognize that God is in charge. He will put up kings and put them down. But the message went on. The divided kingdoms, after Rome, it was divided into many kingdoms, but eventually right around 10. And uh, there was a number of nations that were up, uprooted, but it was all about the gospel of, of Christ that was control over what would happen next. During this time, there was still persecution, but out of this grew something really amazing. And we find during this time that uh, you know, eventually the Waldensians and others that would proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, the Bible was produced and all kinds of things during this time. It was right around A.D. 476 um, to right about now. We're living in the toenails that have not been cut. I mean, we're right on the edge. But this is why I want to preach this message today. If you read down through the rest of Daniel, we don't have time to do that today, but if you read down through the rest of Daniel 2, you'll find out why this message was given to the king. This message was given to the king because what was very important was there was a rock or a stone, it says, that was cut without man's hands, and it hit the image and made it into what? Dust. Chaff. Rubble. Everything is gone. Everything is just wiped out. And then this rock grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it fills up the whole earth. You see, the message of Jesus Christ and the message that God is who he says he is, it doesn't matter if it's before the cross or after the cross. God is trying to tell everyone, even the leaders of the countries, it's important, pay attention, I'm in charge, and I'm coming back. And when I do, all, it doesn't matter that they're destroyed. That's not really what the thing is talking about. 
It's really talking about the remembrance of them is gone. How many of you have ever dug through old stuff in your yard? Have you ever dug in your yard and be like, oh, that's where that went? It was put under the ground by just, you know, grass growing and everything, and all of a sudden you dig and, oh, I didn't realize that that's where I had put that rake many years ago and it buried itself. That's wonderful. Or you find all kinds of things. In the last uh, house that I left in New York, when I uh, left New York, um, I was about 10 years old, and we were digging in the backyard, and we found all these jars. Oh, wow. You know, kids, when you find things that are buried, it's like treasure. There were some that were blue. There were some that were golden colored. There were some that were yellow. There were some that were clear and all that. We're like, oh, yeah, we found all kinds of things. And then our neighbor told us, he says, kids, be careful where you're digging there. I know where you're digging. He says, that's a bunch of trash that we've been, over the years, dumping there. But right near there is an underground bunker. It was put there about, oh, maybe World War I-ish. And be careful, because that's where that is. Be very careful. Well, you tell kids to be careful around something like that at around 10 years old, and guess what we did? We became archaeologists. We did. We did. And we dug around in the past. But you know, when you dig around in the past and you find out these different nations that controlled the areas that the gospel went out in, the telling of the story of Jesus coming and the story of Jesus already come, there's something very interesting about this. Because God's kingdom is set up, it says, during the time of these kings. So basically at this time, Daniel looks at the king in the eyes. Listen to this. Looks at the king in the eyes and says, God's kingdom is already being formed. When you're the king and you're that head of gold, the kingdom that is going to fill the earth is already being formed. That kingdom is being formed in your hearts and minds too. And to share it with other people, it is only the expansion of that hand, handless cut out thing, that big stone that becomes everything. So today, what I would like to exclaim to you this morning as I close is that it doesn't matter which kingdom that you like the most, no matter if it was Nebuchadnezzar with his big artificial lakes and mountains that had this beautiful thing called the Hanging Gardens, whether it was Medo-Persia, which God predicted that that empire would come to an end, and uh, Daniel would probably come to an end during that time, no matter if it was Greece, who was one of the most powerful nations but made up of many little nations, ruled with iron in fact, I have a quote that I've got to give you as I close here. In the early church, they were aware of the interpretation of Daniel. Get this. They were, in, they were actually able to understand the interpretation. In the second century, Hippolytus wrote, Rejoice, blessed Daniel. Thou hast not been in error. Already the iron rules. That's taken from the Anti-Nicene Fathers, Volume 5, page 210. They knew back then what was going on, that Daniel had interpreted this and he had done it well. And then as we know, Rome fell, and they really didn't adhere one to another after uh, they took over from Greece. 
And then um, people like, let's see, Charlemagne, Charles V of Spain, Louis XIV of France, Napoleon, Kaiser Wilhelm, Adolf Hitler, and others have all tried to take over the world, and God said, no. So if you are worried about something or some politics or politician taking over the world, don't. Because the one kingdom that we know of next that will fill the earth is the God of heaven will establish it. And so when we look at God's holy word, you watch while a stone is cut without hands that sticks, stuck the image in, struck the image in the feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. That stone is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that is the theme of the book of Revelation, which is the one that basically we thought we couldn't interpret until Daniel showed up. My prayer for you today is that you will look into this deeper, that you will realize that it proves that the Bible is what it says it is, and that no matter what kind of politics is out there, that it really doesn't matter in the long term because really what matters is the message of Jesus Christ that is being proclaimed by you and I. Please join us in our closing song, The Blessing. Oh